to the Boom Clap Podcast. Today we have Sean Van Dopp, the pastor at Main Street Church in British Columbia on with us. And it was a good episode. I am really excited for y'all to listen to this. We talked about how to approach eschatology and prophecy, which I think going into the new year is just a good, I don't know, it's a good topic. We talked about how everyone, even atheists, have an end-time theory. Very interesting. I hadn't really ever thought about that. Really interesting to think about. Um, And then we talked about how even an evolutionary biologist, Brett Weinstein, can't explain away morality. And this part was brought to us by Cecily. She had listened to a Russell Brand episode with Brett Weinstein, and it was interesting. There's a segment there, and we'll include this in the show notes, a segment for you guys to listen to if you want to, and with the timestamp, so you don't have to listen to the whole thing. But um, as we discuss this, I wasn't sure, and Cecily wasn't sure if we um, talked about it in this episode in a way that you'll fully grasp Um what Brett and Russell discussed that spurred this conversation for us. But to just lay a brief foundation, basically, it's Brett Weinstein. He's an evolutionary biologist who stands firmly on evolution, but he's talking about the importance of morality, but he has no idea where that comes from and can't really um, grasp at anything to let us know where, you know, he just kind of, floating around this idea that morality is real, but doesn't have anything real to pin it to. So it's very interesting. Um, Is that a good enough way to explain it, Cecily? I think so. And the part that really just caught my interest so much is that he was basically saying that we need to outsmart and out-evolve evolution in order to choose morality while also not forsaking evolution. So it was just extremely interesting (laughs) to try to follow his train of thought on that. Um, And I did follow his train of thought, but found the thought wasn't anchored to anything concrete. So really interesting. We'll make sure that we link that. And we'll even put like the timestamp of where you should start listening if you don't want to listen to the whole episode of the Russell Brand episode. Yeah. Yes. And the last thing we talked about then was how to stand firm in a hostile world. There was a sermon series that Cecily listened to and... He very did a very good job of putting a whole sermon series into a brief mm-hmm. segment of this podcast to just allow you guys to hear. Um, I don't know. It was really good. Very good. Yeah. It was so. a big ask to take like however many sermons that was and like just condense that for us. He did it. <laughs> he did it and he did a great job. So that was awesome. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're excited to get into this episode with you and um, bring in the new year with this episode, I guess. So um, if you're new here, thanks for coming. Um, If you've listened for a while, please don't forget to follow our podcast wherever you listen and leave us a review. Let's get into the episode. Hi, Sean. We are so excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, I was telling Cecily this morning that I'm very excited this will be our first episode of the new year because I think this will just kind of put everybody on the right path, hopefully, to start the new year. Everybody feels fresh, like, you know, I don't know. A new year is just a new new day. It's this continuation. But at the same time, people always feel like they're starting fresh. So this will set our sights going forward in the right direction. Before we get into it, can you just tell people a little bit about yourself, who you are, so our listeners know, you know, where you're at, where you're coming from? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm a pastor in Chilliwack, Canada, uh, about an hour 
a bit east of Vancouver, and uh, been here for almost 18 years, pastoring this church called Main Street Church, and uh, have a beautiful wife, three growing children, a daughter-in-law, and a grandbaby on the way. So we're excited oh, about awesome. that for next year. Yeah, yeah. So very cool. Yeah. Okay, I would not have thought that you were like grandpa age. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I, I wouldn't think that either, but you know. <laughs> well, here, we are. here I am, here I am 40 with a newborn though. So, or not newborn, but infant. So I don't know. I'm in a different stage of life. I was telling a friend the other day, this is kind of sidetracking, but I saw a post somewhere that somebody put up 40 is the age where you can have the people you went to high school with are either having children or becoming grandparents. Like it's one or the other. <laughs> it's like such a such a weird stage of life. But anyway, so Cecily had sent me a sermon that you did. And we had actually talked about having you on the podcast a long time ago for an, mm-hmm. another reason. But she sent me a sermon and it was so interesting. You were talking about everybody has an end time theory, regardless of whether they're a Christian, an atheist or whatever. And I was like, whoa, yeah, climate change. And then you go, <laughs> climate change. <laughs> Cecily was like, I knew you'd love that, Rita. But anyway, can we talk about that for a little bit, just how everybody has an end time theory, no matter where you're, sure. what standpoint you're coming from? Yeah, and I think that the context for that is that I think as Christians, when we start to talk about the end of time, is that people kind of think we're like weird, right? You get kind of, oh yeah, mm-hmm. you know, Star Trekky kind of like, you know, <laughs> apocalyptic movies. Oh yeah, Independence Day. But I think, I think so as we're talking about some of the things happening in our world right now, and as Christians, we understand from scripture that there is a day coming when Jesus will return and set up a, his new kingdom. And, and, but when we talk that way, people think, wow, that's, that's like, you guys are weird. But I think if we can bring it back and help everybody understand, well, you know, you have a view around the end of the world as well. And uh, whatever that looks like. And specifically when you talk, when I talk with an atheist or an agnostic or people like that, I'll try to point that out. Well, you actually, you know, you, you have your prophets of the day who who have made claims about the end of the world. And, uh, and we all heard those stories in regards to some of the politicians and so forth who have made claims about, Hey, if we don't do this and if this doesn't happen, you know, the earth is going to burn up. So the, the main point is that, Hey, we all have a worldview around the end of the world. And I think that's probably important for us as Christians to, to understand we're having those kind of conversations. Now, of course we point to, um, the ultimate, uh, our savior, of course, who's going to come and make things right again, all things right. And, and I, and I think it's a beautiful, um, ending in one sense that we have so much to look forward to, but I, I guess it, it just kind of, it just kind of puts that, the, the weird factor out, I think, uh, puts it to the side when you're talking with people around what we as Christians believe and help them understand what well, you have a view as well. So that's kind of the, the whole point there. Yeah. Um, interesting you bring up Star Trek and things because COP28, as we're recording, COP28 is going on where it's like the climate change summit for the UN. And William Shatner, who was on Star Trek, there's been this video circulating of him like, we're all going to die. And like super dramatic. So I don't know. I find that funny. (laughs) Well, and like I say, it's kind of interesting because even as much as they would think we're kind of out there in terms of our beliefs around what scripture teaches it's the same we can kind of say the same thing the other way as well you, you believe that they go to you believe that well you believe that okay mm-hmm. well let's saw some common ground here so someone we can agree on this that the world's going to end at some point so let's talk about what that means for all of us and i hope that we can steer people towards the truth of 
a savior who wants to redeem and restore and save. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Because it is, it's the best news there is, right? Especially mm-hmm. when we think of the fact that most people today, I mean, there's a lot of people that have an optimistic perspective just in general, but I think when it comes to people thinking about the future of our world, we're pretty pessimistic. A lot of people are, right? Like, I think that's the general feeling that's going on in culture right now is just this general level of pessimism. So to be a Christian and to have that perspective of Jesus coming back, making all things new, there's nothing more exciting than that, actually. Like when you can truly live with that eternal perspective of this new kingdom, Um, not new kingdom, because the kingdom really is already there and we're helping to build into it, but by God's grace. But anyway, I want to talk a little bit about Christians and the end times, because as much as we can look at it and be like, wow, that's amazing. It's such good news, something to look forward to. I think there's a couple camps of Christians as well. Some where it's like, just don't want to even think about it because it's scary to them. And then there's another group of Christians who get extremely obsessive about the end times and they kind of build their whole lives around like looking for all the signs, which I think is important. Like I do think we need to be aware, but I think there's a difference between almost making it a God, you know, your, your search for the end times can become a God to a lot of Christians. So like, can you, this is what I loved about your sermon is that you didn't fall into either of those camps. Like it was just, you didn't ignore it, but you also weren't making end times themselves the God. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's the tension, right? Or the, the different camps that people move towards and you either, it, we, it either becomes their, the, their theology, like that's the theology. I only, you know, end times, eschatology, mm-hmm. everything says, and that becomes the focus of everything. When we have to understand it's part of the grand story of scripture, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a, and it's, it's the uh, conclusion. It's what, how, how everything ends. But I think there's so much in between that. Like you say, we, uh, the, the kingdom is here, but the kingdom is coming. You know, this is this tension we live as Christians as we, as we continue to follow Jesus. And, and so, so I find there's two responses, even from churches and other pastoral colleagues and stuff. Some people just don't even want to talk about the end times. They don't even want to talk about. And so they kind of totally ignore it. Other people get, you know, that's all they talk about. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a, a balance that we need to understand that, hey, it's, but yet it's in scripture. Jesus talks about this so much, you know, Matthew 24, he gives us a real great outline on things to watch for. But the other side of that is that, you know, this message people are watching has been watching for those things for thousands of years, right? Mm-hmm. And when people can say like, you know what, Jesus is coming soon. Well, they were saying that right back in the scriptures that we read. And so that's where I think people get a little confused. Well, you know, everyone's been saying that for like 2000 years, like, okay, so what's different now? Well, I think that's, 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 the, that's what creates the urgency in our lives and the anticipation. Remember Jesus, God doesn't, doesn't, isn't defined by time. We are, he gave Mm -hmm. us time to live so he can come back any moment. And this isn't like he's been waiting for a long time. Mm -hmm. Time is what he's created for us to understand and and to function. But there's a passage in scripture. I I love it. It's in second Peter. Peter's mentioned all this stuff that's going to happen in the, uh, you know, in the last days, but then he says this, and this is what I think we should, it's how I think we should approach uh, the end times as followers of Jesus. He says uh, in verse 11 of chapter three of second Peter, says, since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, and he had just talked about all that. 
what holy and godly lives you should live. So that's the response. Okay, things are getting bad. Things are getting crazy. So what's our response as Christians? Well, we are to live holy and godly lives. We're to be an example. We're to not freak out. We're not to live with anxiety and panic and so forth. And then he says, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. And so there's a principle there. I think when we, I think we, we play a part in, in uh, moving towards uh, you know, the coming of Jesus. And how do we do that? Well, live holy and godly lives, be an example to people around you, let people see the hope that you have. And in one sense, we play a role in hurrying that day <laughs> and that, that, you know, for Jesus to come back again. Um, so I think that's, you know, we look, but we don't freak out. We are aware, but we don't, you know, panic. We just live as he's told us to live, holy lives. People see us as, as different, set apart, and godly lives that we do our best to be an example to those around us with the goal of helping them come to experience Christ as their Savior. That's really, really great and really helpful. I can't tell you the amount of times that I've heard, and this is more from people that I'm surrounded by, like personally. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll say things like, the world has been in turmoil for millennia. Like, this doesn't mean the end is coming, right? Um, and so let's just not think about it. And then I'm not really surrounded by the people that get obsessed by the end times, but I see it. I see it on Instagram, like whole accounts, like dedicated to just like tracking and counting down to the end times essentially. And so I'm just like, neither is right. You know, neither is right. And I think that second Peter three eleven verse that you brought up is exactly Correct. And when I think about it as well, just as Christians, like what if our goal instead of being on one extreme or the other was like, just like what you said, living those holy and godly lives, because we know it could be any moment and it's nothing to freak out about, but it's something to just live into. That's good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I wonder if, so back when 2020 and everything happened. That's when I saw a lot of people start clinging on to this end times prophecy and all of this a lot more. I had friends that would send around election time would send me the, this guy is telling us this is going to happen. And I believe him and you need to watch this. You have to watch this. And I'm like, I can't really trust some guy in like a leather jacket with fringe, like telling me what's going to happen. And it's like totally out there. Super specific. (laughs) It it, it is specific because there's a specific like 40 minute video that was sent to me. And I was like, I can't watch this. Can't do it. But just like I had friends who all of a sudden were clinging to this. And I just wonder why that is. I think it's just maybe things were in turmoil, turmoil so much. Um, in people's lives with everything going on with COVID that all of a sudden they started clinging to this. Um, I don't know. I'm not sure how I'm trying to describe this, but it just seems like it's all of a sudden pressing. And I'm not sure if you guys n- notice that at all. Yeah, I think, I, well, I think probably situations like, you know, COVID and the pandemic highlights these signs that Jesus told us to look for, mm-hmm. like pestilence and so forth. And it was so stark right in regards to what we're dealing with and how the world is responding to it and i think then people begin to react rather than Mm -hmm. respond and that's if we're living holy and godly lives and just trusting jesus we we have to be aware of those situations and we respond to them but often we get reactionary to to these things in the world whether it be covid whether it be some of the uh issues around um you know sexuality or all the kinds of stuff that's going 
rogue much in our society. And, and I think one of the things I saw in our church, I said to our church at one point during that time, I said, folks, like, I, I appreciate people's opinions and I appreciate your stances on things, but here's what I would suggest. Because here's what I thought, you got, there's a lot of people that became evangelists for their stance around COVID and all that stuff. And I said, if you, mm-hmm. if you spent as much time sharing the heart and love of Jesus as you do, uh, you know, sharing your opinion about whatever side you're on, man, we would turn this world upside down for mm-hmm. God. And as I, and I saw that there was this, this, this evangelistic fervor came out for, you know, for a stance on things. And I go, wow, I've never heard you talk about Jesus like that. Right. I've never heard you get that excited about Jesus, but boy, you've got pretty excited about whatever your stance, whatever side you're on. And I thought, man, God, that's an interesting, that's a, where did that boldness come for that? And yet I haven't seen that for you. And I think that's the kind of stuff that, you know, and as we kind of went, some of the other series we talked about as we came out of COVID was like, you know, our boldness needs to first and first be about Jesus. And um, and again, we'd have to deal with these issues and we can have opinions around things and we can, but man, if we, if we could that same fervor and passion and ask God to fill us with his power and spirit to be as bold about him as we are about our opinions around whatever other issue, end times, COVID, I mean, you can, Mm -hmm. you can name the, the topic. Man, mm-hmm. I think um, I think I think I think we'd be on. I think we'd be pretty surprised how unstoppable the church would be and the impact we could make for the cause of the gospel. Yeah. That's a really yeah. interesting point. And I had somewhat, I think, on surface levels in my brain, considered that like that that concept, mm-hmm. but hadn't really thought about it too deeply. And it's so true. And like when I think about people's opinions and stuff, especially as Christians. It's your worldview that is hopefully influencing your opinions. But again, like I said, how people kind of make the end times their God, we can kind of make issues our God as well and do it in God's name, you know, um, while keeping the God a little just bit quieter about all that. So it's, it's very interesting how we have that confidence to talk about the issues. But we lack, we lose that when it comes to actually talking about God. And perhaps that's the spiritual battle component, you know, like Rita and I often reference the screw tape letters. It's got to be like one of our favorite books of all time. <laughs> we just did on the last episode, I'm sure. I think honestly, like every third episode, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, but it's such an interesting book because you, it gives you, C.S. Lewis is so brilliant and it just gives you this backdoor insight into how the devil works. And I, I think that's the truth in this situation as well. It's like, oh, I can make you idolize those issues to the point that you forget to even talk about the God that you say you serve. Um, it's very interesting. Well, we're in, and I think it's a, that's so important to understand. I always say that we're spiritual people first, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why Paul talks about in Ephesians, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Mm-hmm. And so I always like, so our battle is not in the physical realm, our battle is first and foremost in the spiritual realm. That's where the battle is won or lost. And, you know, I always, you know, I think, you know, this body is going to fall away. It's going to die. It's going to decay. And, uh, but there's a spirit that's going to go on forever. And that's, that's really where um, we, and that's, and that keeps us kingdom minded as well and focused. Like, Hey, wait a sec. There's something bigger than just this world we're living in right now. And there's ultimately, it comes back to that one day, Jesus is going to come and set up. His kingdom going to make everything right again. And uh, that's what we have to look forward to. But mm-hmm. I think that's a good point that um, we tend to, we tend to look at our world in the physical realm, but as, but if we would begin to say, 
okay, wait a sec, this is not a physical battle. There's a spiritual battle yes, going yeah. on. And, uh, and if I can keep that perspective, then I think um, I can, I, I'm going to be more effective in how I live out a holy and godly life. True. I True. think that's kind of where the cultural Christianity comes in. Um, the fact that I, we've talked about this before too, Cecily, and maybe we'll get your opinion on this, Sean, but seeing on, you know, social media, I feel silly sometimes bringing up social media, but that's where so many of us get so much of our information mm-hmm. and that's where people's heads are being filled lately and hearts, you know? Um, but I see so many people pointing out the issues as you spoke about a little bit ago and using, I look at it as using God as a reason to talk about those issues, not necessarily ever talking about Jesus for the sake of Jesus, but using Jesus's name to talk about the issues. Does that make sense? Yeah, we can, we, we can easily stamp Jesus on our viewpoint and make it look like, hey, this is me and Jesus are, are you know, we're on the same team here. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and we may be, that may be true. But, but mm-hmm. rather than go, well, let's focus on Jesus first and then let's see how following him can help us define our response to the issues of life rather than here's my issue. Jesus is on my team. You better listen to what I have to say. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And it, it, it ties in with you talking about we're in this, we hold ourselves in this physical realm instead of the spiritual realm. And so we focus on these issues in the world instead of, you know, on necessarily Jesus. So I don't know that's where I was kind of going with that, but True. Right, when I think, right whether you're a progressive Christian or Orthodox Christian or anywhere in between, everyone does that to some degree, right? We all fully convince ourselves that we've come to our conclusions because of Jesus, if we claim that name at all, right? So that's where it's Mm -hmm. so important Mm -hmm. to be in your Bible and being discipled there um, rather than in the world of social media, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, Okay, so we talked about how everyone has that end time perspective, regardless of where you fall. Um, the same is true for morality. And this felt yes. like a little outside the box when I first came up with this topic that I wanted to discuss with you. This whole episode, I feel like we've been very unkind to you because we've just grabbed like random things and kind of like smushed them all together. But it's because we really think you'll do a great job of talking to them. But Rita and I, we do talk about morality a lot on this podcast as well, because it's just something that we see so clearly um, being a stumbling block for all of humanity, essentially, this different understanding that people have of morality and where it comes from and how we should follow it and what does it actually mean. Um, But just recently, I was listening to a podcast by Russell Brand, um, very interesting person. Um, I just like listening to him because of the fact that there's so much that I don't agree with and so much that I do. And just, it's very interesting for me. But in this particular episode, he was interviewing Brett Weinstein, who I always feel like I'm probably saying his last name wrong. Maybe it's Weinstein. I don't know. But he's an evolutionary biologist. And the conversation was somewhat about Israel, the situation in Israel, but they really focused in at one point on morality because Brett, the evolutionary biologist, said that we need to essentially out-evolve evolution so that we can choose to be driven by morals rather than evolution itself. 
So I had sent you a clip. Did you get a chance to take a look at that? I did. Yeah, I got a chance to listen to that that clip, not the whole podcast. Yes. But that clip I did. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So that was really interesting for me. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Like an evolutionary biologist claiming yeah. to that we should all out evolve evolution. Can you, Cecily, for the listeners, can yeah. you lay a little more foundation okay. on that? I can try. I can try. Um, what what foundation am I missing? Like not what the episode well, was about, but. Well, I just think just explaining out evolving evolution. Okay. So basically. And, and the problem with that, like what Russell pointed out, like the fact that like these, these people, yeah. like we've kind of um, socially accepted people as intelligent. And so right. they are allowed to reject God, but their mm-hmm. foundation right. isn't you know, falls right. out from under them. The foundation of what they're saying falls out from under them when they do reject right. that. It doesn't make so sense. Brett Weinstein in particular, like he says in that episode that he doesn't believe that there is a God necessarily, but he believes that in order for people to truly live and choose moral lives, they need to have a concept of God, like a metaphor essentially, in order to choose morality over evolution. Um, So that's kind of the basis for it. And it was just a lot of conflicts going on in my mind when I was hearing that. I find it interesting that in that clip I listened to is that um, he actually, in one sense, was actually proving, or at least speaking towards the reality that morality is evidence for God. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that points to evidence. And, and, but you didn't want to, you didn't want to, accept that. Yeah. Yeah. Accept yeah. that evidence because reality and as an evolutionary biologist, I even think like, um, morality doesn't come from nature. We know that to be true, but, and we, doesn't, my, morality doesn't come from cultural understandings. It mm-hmm. really comes, I mean, it points to God. And so he, he used, he used a word. He says, we need to override, use this word a number of times in that clip. We need to override, mm-hmm. um, kind of this evolutionary process. It's always what I believe, but we got to override that if we actually want to get to a place where we can have meaningful values and meaningful conversations yeah. and, and, and live. And I thought, okay, you, you're actually, um, you don't want to admit it, but you're actually uh, posturing yourself in a way that speaks to the truth that there is a God who okay. is the absolute standard for morality. And there has to be an outside uh, objective standard for morale. Where where do you get your moral compass? Um, mm-hmm. And so he he's kind of we got we got to create that. But yet he doesn't. He, he is saying yeah. it, but he's not saying it. But the reality is, without you might as well have said. And the only way to ha- to override this belief system of evolutionary biology is to set it aside and say there must be something or someone bigger than ourselves mm-hmm. who who is the uh, ultimate standard for morality. And so it was it was kind of yeah you're right. He didn't want to. He didn't want to go and say God, although he did mm-hmm. say people need people create what they need to get to that right. place. Um, but yeah. that's not you know, and so you might as well just have said it. So I thought you know, it was interesting. I thought it was kind of okay, that's. Um, I thought it was kind of okay. You know, I was kind of praying, Lord, I work in that guy's heart because mm-hmm. um, he actually at least he's willing to admit that that evolution doesn't doesn't instill morality in the hearts yeah. of people. So, you know. Yeah. It was just really interesting as I was listening to it. And I couldn't decide exactly where he might fall on this. Because first of all, to out-evolve evolution, 
if you're a true evolutionist, I don't think you could believe that that would be possible because this is apparently then the natural process that brought all of life to where it is. And how could you ever trust that you can override that? Perhaps you're actually just being driven by your evolutionary instincts and that was evolution's plan all (laughs) along, right? Like how can you trust that? Um, But then from another perspective, to think that as a human, if he truly believes in that evolutionary perspective, if he believes that he can override that, well, that would actually maybe put him in the position of God. You know, it's like this natural process is what it is, but I am more powerful than it. Um, And then there's the other option of like, how is he just not seeing at all that actually everything he's saying is pointing to the fact that there's a moral lawgiver. And, you know, if we're all able to just choose morality based on what feels right to us, you know, what would the world look like if the majority of people chose that Hamas and their morality system is what we should all be clinging to and living out? Like there's such danger in just saying we need to choose morality. Okay, but what is it? You know, like what is right? What is wrong? What is good? What is evil? Um, I just, yeah, once they got into that chunk of the conversation, like, oh, I would have loved it if they would have played that out and talked about it for a few more days because they just were just close, but just not there. And these are like really popular voices in the world today, popular voices amongst intellectuals. And you're right. We should be praying for Brett. And Rita actually said like a week or two ago, like, we really need to be praying for Russell Brand. His platform is huge. And what would happen if he truly came to know the Lord and the impact that that could have would be massive. So you guys are on the same, the same level there with that. It's a good point. Well, I, I think, I, th- I think the key thing for me in that little clip was that there was an admit, admitted, mm-hmm. he admitted that, you know, the evolutionary process does not result with a, in a moral compass. Mm, <laughs> okay. So that's, sure. so that's a good, that's all. Okay. So if that's the case, then you actually have to admit that maybe, um, the evolutionary process, uh, there's something better or different than that. Of course, we believe it's God and who is mm-hmm. the creator. And, uh, and so you have to, so it starts to break if that, if it doesn't fulfill those issues and answer those questions, well then, you know, you're not really satisfied in that, um, belief system. So it's, so I, I kind of go, okay, this is interesting. Yeah. If he's really going to, you know, lean into that to the end, he's going to have to wrestle right. with, with God. <laughs> okay. Yeah. There are, you know, there's something bigger out there and maybe this isn't the answer to life and creation. There's gotta be more than this. And if there's more than this and maybe what I believe, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, has been, mis- has been misleading. So I thought mm-hmm. that was, that was just a unique thing for me. Okay. There, there's a, and, and, and kudos to him for being open to that for sure. you know, in one sense, yeah. to, to being, being honest enough to realize that and yeah. maybe didn't go deep enough to break down some of those beliefs in his life. Yeah. But hey, I thought, okay, at least he's, he's, he realizes that he can't find a moral compass in the evolutionary yes. process. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like there's steps being taken, you know, and it's, yeah. it's very interesting to watch. And I pray that he will step all the way to the conclusion um, where mm-hmm. he realizes what's true pretty cool. The interesting thing to me about it is, so my daughter with her co-op, they did a, um, they did a logic course and an apologetics course last year. And for the apologetics, they had 
watched videos and there was always like a man on the street type moment in the videos where they were interviewing kids on college campuses and asking them about evolution, morality, all of these things and their thoughts and beliefs and, you know, well, where do morals come from if, you know, there's no God and all of these things. And these are kids that obviously haven't thought very deeply about much, (laughs) but these are two very intellectual men who everybody puts on a pedestal for their high intelligence Mm -hmm. and the answers aren't much different between the two camps. And so I just find that kind of interesting to ponder out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Well, I think people in general just don't like to, I guess, philosophize, you know, like, especially, you know, Brett Weinstein's a scientist. So he likes to just have very logical And I think that's true of our kids as well. Like as they're being taught in school, they're not necessarily being encouraged to think super deeply about something, but to follow the steps of learning these things, which is why I think like a logics and logic and apologetics courses for kids is so important because it teaches them that they can take that time to just think a little deeper and, and just pull at some of those strings that are left kind of hanging by I guess, the philosophy of the secular world. Okay, that's a really interesting point. Just the fact that kids in school now aren't really taught the higher levels of thinking. Mm-hmm. They tend to focus in school more on STEM, the science, engineering, the very, you know, step-by-step, yeah. this is what we do. That's just interesting. To well, and then about. when they do have, my kids are in a couple, like we homeschool, but they're in a couple online courses this year that are just much more, adherent to the BC curriculum than we typically are at home. And it's so interesting to me because when they do projects and stuff, they do have reflection questions that I guess are intended to make them think a little deeper. But the questions are things like, how did this project make you feel? Like they're all very just like internalized questions about how the child feels as they're working through the work. Um, but they're not actually going outside of the self to think deeper. So it's been very interesting for me to be able to contrast like what happens. This episode is sponsored by The Fresh Test. I am really excited to be advertising for this brand to you guys. Um, Just to let you know a little background, I was messaged by someone who works for the fresh test and like, have you ever thought of advertising for them? And I said, Hey, you know what? I am actually advertising for them already. And they don't even know it. I have told family members who are pregnant about the fresh test. I have told listeners about the fresh test. I have DM'd people on Instagram about the fresh test. So if you have ever had a baby, if you're going to have a baby, you go through a diabetes screening, a gestational diabetes screening. And are offered in hospitals and different centers, what I call orange poison. It's this drink that I would never ever put in my body, pregnant or not, and it's disgusting. So I opted out with um, past with my girls um, and did finger sticks, also very unpleasant. But now there's this option, the fresh test, and that's what I use with my son. It is a clean drink that allows you to do the gestational diabetes screening in one day, just like everyone else, except for it's non-GMO, it's vegan, it's no artificial colors or flavors, um, gluten-free. It has just basic ingredients. You know what they are. It is, and it tastes good. 
and you tolerate it well. It's not disgusting. So anyways, I don't know if telling you a product is not disgusting is a good advertisement, but I'll tell you what. (laughs) Use the fresh test if you are pregnant. If you know someone who's pregnant, tell them about this. Most people don't even know about these options. If you work in a hospital or healthcare system, tell them about this test. You can use code BOOMCLAP at thefreshtest.com to save 10% on your order. All right. So Cecily, you had talked about um, a sermon series that Sean did. I don't know if you want to speak to that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. So this was, I, I think back in May or June or something like that when the weather was warmer <laughs> and you did a sermon series called, I don't know if the whole series was called this, but Standing Firm in a Hostile World. Is that what you named your series? Yeah, basically it was called Bold, and that was okay. the tagline, Standing Firm okay. in a Hostile Bold, World. Okay, yeah. Standing Firm in a Hostile World. And I remember when that came out. And the reason I am familiar with your sermons and stuff is because I have family that goes to your church. And so sometimes when I have a Sunday off from leading worship, I will come to your church and like sit in on a sermon and the service in general. And I always enjoy listening to you preach and so kind of follow along on the podcast um, during the weeks when I can. and. I remember being quite excited to see that you did this sermon series. Um, So you had four different Sundays that you preached on this. And I'm just going to say what the titles, again, I don't know if these were your full titles, but of, of the sermons were. And then I would love it if you could just talk us through them a little bit. Because, you know, as we've had this whole conversation so far on the podcast, We've been talking about Christian response, essentially, you know, so Mm -hmm. as we're standing firm in a hostile world, you said, number one, we need to watch and pray. Two, we need to be filled with truth and grace. Three, walking in love and obedience. And four, we should have clarity and courage. So I said to you in our message, when I asked you to talk on some of this, I'm like, I realized this was four separate sermons you know, I don't know how long you preached for 40 minutes or whatever. And now I'm asking you to bring it all into one conversation. And that's a big ask, but I would love for you to tell us like, how did you land on these things? I think you're right. These, these things are so important. So how did you land on them and how can we walk them out essentially? Yeah. Good job. You took notes. Well done. (laughs) You got it all, you got it all figured out. Um, they, uh, yeah, you know, I think just because of, as we were just talking a moment ago, I think even a lot of Christians haven't thought through what they believe. And, you know, and sometimes the church is responsible for some of that parenting. We're responsible for that. Are we teaching people? Are we equipping them mm-hmm. to think? And then you, and then you deal with all the issues in our world where people, uh, you know, and the enemy is great at breeding confusion, right? So, um, and so people think they're believing right things because it sounds good or it sounds loving or it sounds whatever it may be. And then they realize, you realize that, Hey, wait a sec, you like are off offline in regards Mm -hmm. to what scripture teaches. So, so I I just thought let's do a series and try to equip our people to think um, biblically in these areas. And so, but I thought we need to start with, you know, watch and pray. And Jesus talks about that. Um, You know, when he goes off to pray, takes his couple of disciples along and they keep falling asleep and he says, you know, uh, well, before I get to that, I think all throughout scripture, first of all, you have to understand that there's so many verses that talk about standing firm, uh, you know, uh, um, stand your ground, you know, um, stay alert, uh, be persistent, all these statements that, that were, okay, we should take note of that. Cause, cause the implication is that if, if we, we need to do that, otherwise we're going to 
stumble. We're going to fall. We're going to miss mm-hmm. the mark. And so, um, and so, and then live and again, holy and godly lives, those things that we were talking about earlier. And, uh, and so I thought, okay, if we can get our people to first follow Jesus words to watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation, he says to his disciples. And, mm-hmm. and this is, you know, the temptation meaning a lot of different things, but I think it, you know, that you don't get misguided, that you don't mm-hmm. um, go offline, that you don't, again, miss what I'm all about. And so we watch and we pray. So I just kind of stood up in a couple of, what do we watch for? Well, we watch for Satan's schemes. He's the one that's going to come. He has strategies and he's, he's brilliant. I mean, C.S. Lewis, you see it in the screw tape mm-hmm. letters. I mean, there again, you see how he navigates um, his strategies to mislead and deceive people. And they can even sound good at times, but mm-hmm. like they're good. They can mm-hmm. be good things that he uses to get people offline. And um, it kind of usually happens this way. Like you get first, you know, I'll, I'll use a church as an example, maybe not a person, but, you know, maybe a church stops talking about things like sin, right? Mm-hmm. You know? We don't, we don't talk about sin anymore. And then it begins to dialogue about whether the sin is, you know, is really a sin. Is that really a sin? Come on. Maybe there's a different interpretation. Maybe that's not, you know, that's not what they meant. And then the church allows for differing positions on that sin. And finally the church will end up affirming that sin and, uh, and some, you know, and calling, you know, something and calling it good. And, um, and then, and then when you call it sin, you're now hate, you know, yeah. labeled hateful, right? And so this kind of, so we got to watch and we got to watch what, what are his schemes, understand how the devil works and pray into that. And then, but we also then got to watch for what God is doing. Cause we can also get in that fear thing. Oh, the devil's the only, everything's falling apart. Mm-hmm. World's going to hell in a handbasket kind of thing. But also what's God doing amongst all of this, um, you know, confusion. He, well, he's doing something too. And, uh, and so we need to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and see what he's doing. It's like, hey, God, how, how does my role as a follower of, of you play out in the context of all this confusion and, and stuff going on in our culture? And, um, and realize that God, you know, we don't have to be afraid of those things. God wants to work and use us in those circumstances. He wants to give us voices and insights to how we do. So we watch and then, and so we watch for Satan's schemes. We, we, we pray and watch for what God is doing. Then we pray. And so what do we pray about? Well, there's lots of things we can pray about. And I just talked about in that message that we can, you know, uh, we pray for help in time of need. You know, hey, God, we we need your wisdom. We need your understanding. We need to know how to navigate the times. Um, we pray that we don't fall in temptation. I don't want to be deceived. You know, the Bible talks about this in the last days. Many will fall away. Many will be deceived. Many will, mm-hmm. um, you know, follow false doctrines and so forth. I don't want to be that person. I want to stay true. So we, we need to be praying those kind of prayers. And we need to pray for boldness. Help me to take a stand. And we need to pray for our enemies because we can also get into this place where everybody's evil and bad yeah. and they're, you know, and, we, and then we don't actually actually do what Jesus asks us to do is to love our enemies. And so, and that means we have to figure out ways to interact with them in ways that conversation can take place and so forth. Um, so that was kind of the first, that's, that's the first talk real quickly. In a, in, that's good. In a, uh, synopsis. And then the second one, we, then we moved into truth and grace. So it starts with watching and praying. And I think I did these in a certain order because I think it's a, it's a order that's important. You know, we sometimes maybe get into some other things and then we go, oh, I should maybe go back and pray about this. I think start there, right? watch, watch and pray. God, give me mm-hmm. insight. And then truth and grace. So what comes after prayer? What comes after watching? Um, is that all we should do is just pray? Well, no, no, we, we've got things we should actually do. We should actually say things at times. We, we need to stand and fight. We need to stand firm. And, uh, and then I kind of went through the different, um, you know, uh, um, worldviews that have kind of been uh, created over the ages from, you know, uh, Rousseau and Karl Marx and Sigmund mm-hmm. Freud and kind of how all their um, 
their teaching has really ingrained into our culture today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I won't get all into that, but you can, you know, and then, uh, um, Antonio Gramsci and his whole deconstruction, uh, teaching and so forth. But you see what happened back in those eras is so entrenched in our culture today. And of course we have all these different, uh, you know, theories out there, um, that people are believing. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so we kind of walk and so Colossians, so I just talk about, you know, be careful again. we got to think Colossians 2, 8 says, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high sounding nonsense that come from mm-hmm. human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. And so these are important, uh, you know, again, how are we thinking? And so how do we, how do we make sure we're not captured that way? Well, then we talked about, well, we have truth and grace or grace and truth. Jesus was fully, mm-hmm. completely full of grace and truth. He was hundred percent grace and he was hundred percent truth. Mm-hmm. We got to remember that. Now what tends to happen, whatever your personality is, we, um, we tend to lean to one of those mm-hmm. kind of, you know, you're either more great and that's normal. Whether <laughs> you have the grace kind of people or you have the truth kind of people, right? I'd probably be a truth kind of person. I have to really be focused. Okay. But wait a sec, there's grace too. And, and, and how do we navigate that tension? Right. And you, we all have uh, those, those, uh, those, that tension that we live. And I used a rubber band. It's kind of like this rubber band illustration that it's stretching. Okay. I got to, I'm showing grace, but hold on now. I got to show truth and kind of snaps right. back and forth. It's this constant tension that we live in, but we need to do that. And, and I think what happens is that we sometimes, uh, and so what happens is this, this, there's, there's a couple of things that happen in our culture because of those worldviews. We have a strong belief of religion of self, uh, that which leads to a privatization of our faith and, uh, and a demonization of the faithful, <laughs> these kind of three things that take place. And, um, and so we, the world believes that, you know, whatever you, your, live your truth. We all know that state, just live your truth. And then, and then we get scared and, but everybody's faith now becomes private. It's personal. It's like, just, I'll believe that you can believe that. And then, um, but if as a Christian, when you stand for truth, then you're demonized for your faithfulness to scripture. Mm-hmm. So Jesus gives us this challenge to be full of grace and truth, to be un- unconditional grace and uncompromising truth. And so that's, that's the challenge there. So how do we do that? We talked a little bit about that. And then we move to love and obedience in the third talk. And, um, and so I kind of just talked about, I mean, we know the whole thinking around love is love and all these statements that we hear in our culture, but I just talked about, you can't love like Jesus calls us to love without obeying his commands. <laughs> and you will, and you'll not love Jesus if you don't obey his, obey his commands. So this is the, again, we, we like to pick one or one or one side or the other, but you, you can't love if you don't obey Jesus. And, um, and he talked about that. If you love me, what do you do? You obey my commands. And so that's what defines how we love, not how, just not how we feel about something. And mm-hmm. so God's definition of love is very different. And, um, and so we just talked about um, that. I talked about, you know, cause we talk, we hear, uh, we just got to love people, but mm-hmm. Jesus in the Bible is not just all about love. There's so mm-hmm. much more uh, in the Christian life. And, um, and so, and love does not rejoice in evil or unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. You know, so we've, there's, these, there's these definitions or understandings of love that we sometimes like to leave out. And, uh, and so I kind of talked about where did we get the idea in the Bible that you can do things that are wrong as long as you do them in a loving way. That's kind of the right. thinking that people mm-hmm. will begin to come through, right? And, um, and we got love is love. So then what makes love okay? What is, uh, is incest okay? Is adultery love? Is sex outside mm-hmm. marriage love? So we kind of talked through some of that dynamic. So you can love the way God wants you to, or you, uh, you know, or the way the world wants you to, but you can't do both. 
<laughs> you can't love like God and love like the world. Mm-hmm. And so we kind of walked through that real quickly. And uh, I mean, not quickly right now, I'm running through it quickly. But, yeah. and then, um, and I'll just say that, and then, so in that talk, we talked about, so love with, uh, love without obedience results in affirmation. Mm-hmm. You begin to affirm the things in our world. Obedience without love just comes into duty. Well, I got to believe this. I got to say this. I, I'm, I'm going to tell them that they're wrong. And so you kind of, you just become kind of this judgy kind of person. Um, mm. But to love Jesus is to obey Jesus and to obey Jesus is to love Jesus. And so it looks like this loving obedience and obedient love, which I think when we do that results in influence. And that's where we want to be living our lives. So we're influencing the, the world that we live in and that we're, but we're being obedient and we're, and, and we're, um, you know, obeying God and loving like God does. And Jesus modeled that perfectly. Mm-hmm. And then the last talk was clarity and courage. And I kind of walked through the story of Daniel and uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and just talked about the culture that they lived in and how they were able to they had clarity on what they believe and who they believed in. And they had incredible courage to stand against um, the worldview that was uh, definitely being, um, you know, pushed upon them. And so they, and so clarity and courage has to do with uh, a refusal to assimilate. So the, I think the greatest threat to the church in a hostile culture, it's not persecution, although that's coming and can be real, but I think it's assimilation. The, the church is, is, is just so easily assimilating into the way that the world thinks. And I think that's even more persecution. You can see it clearly. Okay, I don't, I'm either going to deny God because I don't want to be persecuted or it's, it's more of a clean cut kind of thing that's going to happen, I think to the church, but assimilation is, um, it's like falling asleep, right? It's right. gradual. It's kind of like just oh, before you know it, you're 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 thinking the way the world thinks. And so, but they showed that they had a they had a, a re, they refused to assimilate into the Babylonian way of thinking. Uh, Daniel and them, they had this faithful presence that they lived. They still were godly. They were loving. They were mm-hmm. they were they were submissive to a certain degree in terms of what their roles were, but not to the thinking of the world. So they had this influence. And then, uh, and then it said this refusal to compromise and God, and, and by doing so, God gave them this great platform to the point that we know Daniel had this great influence. So, um, and so that's just a quick overview of the series. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You guys, I'll probably link to maybe the first one in that series. I got to write that down or I won't link to it. This is, I, I say this often in the podcast, I'll link it in the show notes and then it's not linked in the show notes. So writing that down right now, link, I'll probably link to the first sermon and then people can listen to the rest from there if they want to, um, because it really is so valuable. And I don't know, I just, I loved it all. And was it in your, I know that this was a while ago for you as well. And I was going to try to re-listen to all the sermons before we had you on, but I didn't quite get all the way there. Um, in the Clarity and Courage one, was it you that was preaching on um, how Daniel and crew, like they went after the, peop- the people that were ruling over them. They went after like their identity and yes. that was you, right? Yes, yes. That was really good. And I can't remember the other things you said, but it was just, it was such a mirror of what people, what we're seeing today and how those same things are being attacked essentially. Yeah. It's interesting. The names that they gave, uh, they changed their names, right? Daniel. Yeah. And, and so, um, and if you look at the names that they gave them, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Um, and so they, it's interesting. Daniel's name, um, 
it's it really a shift from male to female. They were trying to mock him in one sense, focus, um, uh, bring, move, removing a focus on God to a focus on man. And, uh, and then, you know, um, you see Hananiah, great, which means gracious love. Let me just bring my notes up so I can remember them specifically. Yeah, so Daniel means God is my judge. And he changed to Belshazzar, right? Which, uh, which means lady protect the king. <laughs> Wow. And so they had this this uh, this way of just kind of because they want to diminish these guys, right? They wanted to kind of uh, push them down. But you see it in our culture today. Hananiah, which means Yahweh has been gracious, changed to Shadrach, which means I am now fearful of God or servant of sin. Wow. Their names were changed. Uh, Michelle, who who uh, which means who can compare to my God? No one. To Meshach, which means I am despised, contemptible, and humiliated. Or or who is God? And then Azariah, which means Yahweh has helped has helped to Abednego, um, the servant of Neba, which means you know, now you're like a servant, you're like a, a slave. And uh, and so the enemy's goal is to always lead us into slavery, insecurity, doubt, bondage, and the list goes on. And that's what their goal uh, was with these guys to kind of push them down. And that's what our culture does, right? It's trying mm-hmm. to steal identities, steal um, uh, security, um, you know, create all doubts and, and all these things in people's lives. And so I think the story of, of Daniel... And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is a great example of how in the midst of, and because they were pushed down. I mean, they had, they, they had no, I mean, they were in slavery. So in one sense, they couldn't necessarily, you know, just um, get a petition signed and get things yeah. changed. No, mm-hmm. they, had, they, they had to live within that and yet still be faithful um, to, who, to the Lord and, to, their, and to, their, uh, to Yahweh. And so it's actually quite an amazing story. We, if you want to do a great study on how to live a holy and a godly life mm-hmm. in an ungodly culture. That's a great, great story to take some time to pick apart. For sure. I mean, that was months ago and that part just really stuck with me. I mean, even to this day that it it's in my mind, like, because it was just, like I said, a mirror image. And you said um, the enemy's goal is that we will live in slavery, insecurity, doubt, and bondage. It's so true. And mm-hmm. The contrast with what was happening with Daniel and what's happening now is in a large sense, right now, people are choosing their slavery, their insecurity, their doubt, and their bondage, but it's because of the deception, right? You know, it was forced upon Daniel and his friends, but they were still able to stand. And here we are in uh, 2023, essentially choosing these things, but it's because the deception of the enemy is so strong. And and like you said, it, it's that assimilation too, right? When Christians become confused about what is true, um, it's it's just it's the beginning of everyone choosing this slavery, insecurity, doubt, and bondage because there's nothing on the other side for them to step towards that light and that truth. Yeah, it reminds me kind of of talking to Rachel about revolution, Cecily. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, Sean, you won't have listened to this, but I had um, talked to a gal, Rachel Reeve. She does hear the headlines. And we talked about revolution and counter-revolution. And there was a portion where we just talked about the church and how, you know, when the church doesn't step up and have these conversa- conversations, people become confused. And we start looking to someone else or something else to fill the void. And that becomes government, usually. Mm-hmm. And then they feed us what truth is. And then there's anxiety and confusion because they can't give us truth, right? So. Yeah, yeah it's interesting how, yeah. And again, it's getting our people to think again, right? And to, um, there was a, uh, 
our prime minister did a little video uh, months ago on his pro-abortion <laughs> stance. And it was very, you know, I don't know if you saw that video. Yeah, he, he actually ended up interacting with some guy in the crowd. Then he, afterwards, he did a little, little um, video of, hey, we are pro-choice and so forth. And I, and I just saw that on social media. I don't usually comment, but I thought, I'm going to comment something here. And all, and all I said in, in the uh, comment section was, um, you know, it's always wrong to intentionally kill a human being, a, a, a child, you know, a, a baby in the womb is a human being, therefore it's murder. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of, I just, it's a syllogism that kind of just explains like, hey, you got to wrestle with that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting how, you know, the, the feedback you got, but I, my point is like, I want our, our, I want people to be able to communicate rational thoughts around things. So again, I didn't talk about God. I didn't bring the Bible in. I didn't bring Mm -hmm. Jesus. I just said, hey, let's just rationally talk about this. And the vitriol that came back to me was quite amazing. And there was no, nobody will, like nobody talking to me about the actual statement I made. It was just about, you know, you don't have a uterus. What do you, you're you're just a man. You're just like all this kind of stuff, right? It was just all these, these things that I thought, wow, that's where our culture is gone. But I also think that's why so many people Christians are so scared to say anything too, because the minute you even are intellectually, um, you know, mm-hmm. engaging honest. and mm-hmm. honest, people, mm-hmm. people, people just, if they don't like what you're saying, they'll just cancel you. Right. So I, I get it yeah. in the sense of, well, what's the point of saying? Cause I'm just going to be, but I think we still need to look for ways. Again, I didn't respond to any of those people. I just let that statement stay there. And it was, yeah. inter- and, and, and you just let, you know, it's not worth on social media. You can't get much done, but you can make a statement. You can't necessarily have mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, but it was just interesting, but I thought, okay, how do you get our people to a place where they ask good questions? They, they say good statements, they're thinking statements and people can respond how they want. But, and, but I don't think our, our people are scared to do that, right? They're scared they're going to be canceled or again. And, and I think that's where, that's where the persecution end is going to come is coming back to the mm-hmm. end of times. It's a sense that are we willing to stand um, for truth, which means that there's going to be areas of life in our jobs that the culture is going to say, I want you to do this. I want you to have pronouns. I want you to do whatever. Well, what are we going to do in those moments? Are we just going to assimilate into it? Or are there ways that God can give us wisdom Mm -hmm. to navigate those conversations? Go, okay, hold on a sec. You're inclusive. You're talking about inclusivity. What about my beliefs? (laughs) You know, what about what I hold mm-hmm. to? Can we have a talk about that? You know, can mm-hmm. we, um, some of the things you're saying and wanting from me goes against my beliefs. And again, it's not because I'm angry or I hate you or, um, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, and I think sometimes Christians, to be honest, have done a really bad job as well. We've just, we've responded in the same way often with yep. anger or silliness, or we haven't thought through our stuff. We have this kind of, well, we need to love our enemies still, but we can we need to, but we need to be clear, courageous, as we talked about in that last message. And we need to be, and then our courage needs to have clarity. So I think you can actually have conversations with people where they kind of, at the end, go, okay, we may agree to disagree, but I can, I can see your point. And I've heard mm-hmm. stories of people who have taken those stands, and God's honored them in them, mm-hmm. just like Daniel. Hey, we don't want to eat the food. Can we have mm-hmm. vegetables? Like he had ways of coming into the, 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 the conversations and giving an opportunity for God faithless to be shown in his life and it, and they honored that and these are the kind of conversations i think we have to learn to have in the in the culture in the jobs and the places that we have uh, been placed by god and then um and then and then you know they saw that they, they those guys are way more healthy than everybody else so they mm-hmm. it, it worked out for them right yeah so. well that rubber band i loved that imagery that you yeah. put with the rubber band like it's just balanced between truth and mm-hmm. grace and that yeah. comment that you put on that face or sorry instagram post 
that that's really the format of the Callum cosmological argument where it's like this, this, therefore this, right? And that's the truth about it is people really, they don't know what to do when logic bumps up against their, their belief system, right? Like they don't want to have to think about that because they can see the inconsistency. So they react emotionally and yeah. So well done on that. And then also not engaging. I know that can be tempting to just comment back, but it's just not worth it. Like you said, no, no. Yeah. often the statements you make stand and speak for themselves without yeah. any further comment because yeah. the further comments from other people only bolster your original yeah. one. And yeah. it's interesting, The I, I don't know, this is kind of another aside, but the hypocrisy that comes out, they're telling you, you don't have a uterus. Well, if you don't have your pronouns in your bio, how do they know based on their <laughs> right. belief system? Assumption. You know, it's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's very interesting how it all it plays is. out if you just allow it to. <laughs> so, yeah. but and, 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 good point, because I think even as we don't, we need to teach it. Christians and equip Christians to think biblically. It's funny that the culture, though they they come across like they're they've thought this all through, but they it's really they haven't either themselves. Right. They, 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 our culture in general doesn't know how to think rationally. I mean, obviously, right. you think of the things that our culture is dealing with now. So it's just on both sides. So we have to think biblically. They have not. They have to probably need to think rationally. And if we could both get those going, we could probably have some good, pretty good conversations. Sure. You know? It would be interesting. Yeah. All right. So Sean, the last thing that we wanted to talk about with you is covenant versus contract. This is also from the sermon that Cecily sent me. And I was like, I don't think I've ever heard someone describe those two things like that and contrast them for us. So if you could do that for our audience, I would really appreciate it. Sure. So from a biblical perspective, um, I mean, there's, there's a lot of similarities between a contract and a covenant, of course. They, they serve some common purposes. Um, but a contract is an agreement between parties. Well, a covenant, I guess you could say, is like a pledge. Um, or maybe a contract is transactional. A covenant is relational. <laughs> yeah, that's a better way of saying it. Um, a contract's about interest. So it's not, you know, but it's, it, it can be, a contract can be relational, but it can be totally void of relationship. I have a contract for my mortgage with the bank, but I have no relationship with the bank. But we have con- we've made expectations on both sides that we're gonna I'm gonna pay my mortgage and they're gonna keep lending me the money and to make sure I have a place to live. Covenant's very different. That's why even like and I, I guess the best example is in marriage. Uh, we come and we um, we make a covenant to one another. You know, on our wedding days, we stood before our spouses and we said, "This is a covenant I'm making to." for better or for worse and sickness and in health. And so what it is, it's a, it's no, and, and the covenant is no matter what you do, I'm still going to be faithful to this. I'm still going to be faithful to this commitment. And that, and, and now the reality is none of us are, none of us keep our covenants completely. I mean, we're sinful people, but we still continue to make amends and we, and we commit to that commitment we made. And so God, and so you see it in scripture. So that's why examples like, I think, uh, like the Abrahamic covenant in the talk you we you listen to in regards to why Israel matters. That's what we we're talking mm-hmm. about. But even in the grand story of Scripture, the Abrahamic covenant is still um, effective today because it's eternal. And so, so no matter. And this is the beauty of how. So and when we make a covenant using marriage as an example, like say we covenant to each other, um, we uh, you know a contract I can benefit from. I get a mortgage, I, but 
a covenant is transformational. It actually transforms my life, you know, as I commit to my wife and we were, and she commits to me and we, and we're committed to making this work. The beauty though, we still mess up. God doesn't. This is, this is the thing about when he makes a covenant, it's, it's, you can count on him always fulfilling it. And for example, using the Abrahamic covenant, I mean, when he came to Abraham and he made this covenant with him in that, in biblical days, when a covenant was made, of course, they didn't have like, lawyers' offices and stuff to go to and sign these papers, they would actually cut a lamb or an animal in, in pieces. They'd put it down and, and make, almost make a trail out of it. Pieces of that animal would be on either side and then they'd walk through it. And usually the one who has the lesser um, power in the relationship would walk through that between those animals and, and would recite the agreement that they have, the covenant they were mm-hmm. making. And basically what they were saying is, if I don't keep this covenant, may what's happened to this animal happen to me. Wow. And, when, and, when, and when God came along with Abraham and he calls him and he does, he makes this covenant with him. He, the Bible says in Genesis 50, he kind of puts him to sleep. And, and, and God actually plays both roles in that covenant making process. Um, he, he makes the covenant and he's the keeper because he knows Abraham's not going to be able to fulfill it all. But he says, I will, this will be an everlasting covenant with you. And with the people of Israel, and it's it's just a powerful thing. So covenant often is um, is misunderstood as just the same as a contract. It's not. It's it's actually a powerful um, it's a powerful illustration of God's promise keeping power in our lives. And so, and and the fact is, He's made a covenant with us, hasn't He? He's 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 he, he covenanted that He would save us, that He would restore us, He'd redeem us. He went to the cross. He died for our sins. He and 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 if he, and that's why we can count on Him. Like we don't have to worry about Him not coming through on His. It's not just a contract. Okay, I, I sin, therefore the contract's broken. Now I didn't hold up mine of the deal because none of us can. Um, no, He is faithful all the all the time, forever, and He covenants with us as people too to make sure that we have that assurance that what He says He will do. He will always do. So I don't know if that helps a bit in regarding the difference between covenant and contract, but Very good. it's a powerful, it's a powerful image of God's faithfulness in our lives. It is Very really good. good. And you know what, even if like, we don't have a strictly Christian audience, we have non-believers who listen as well. And even just taking that piece about, you know, marriage is a covenant and understanding that there's a difference between a covenant and a contract, even that just from a purely secular perspective is actually really important as well. But then, you know, from the Christian perspective, understanding it is important mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. And um, I'm going to link to the Israel sermon. I'm going to link to the first sermon in that sermon series that we talked about. Cause I think if you, I'm pretty sure you guys are going to want to listen to them after hearing this conversation. Um, and it's going to give you a little bit more context as well for where this particular conversation came from and all the pieces that we pulled into it. But as we wrap up, did I say that right? Wrap up? For some reason, that sounded yeah. weird when I said it. <laughs> As we wrap up, <laughs> is there anything else that either of you, particularly you, Sean, want to add to the conversation? I would just encourage your listeners, you know, what, uh, be, you know, for those who are followers of Jesus, just be faithful. Like, don't don't overreact. Just, again, live godly and holy lives and ask the Holy Spirit for his promptings on how to do that. And, and don't freak out. Yeah, there's crazy stuff in our world. And, and, and be courageous, but, but don't let your courage be crazy. <laughs> if I can put it that right. way, be conf- be confident. You can be confident, love people, love your enemies, do your best to build inroads and bridges with those who 
don't think the same way we do. Um, again, you're not going to, and, and, and here's what I would say, don't, and, but don't be surprised because Jesus told us himself, he says, the world will hate you, hated me first. It's going to hate you. So, so that's the hostility end of things, no matter how calm and gentle and fruit of the spirit you are and how you walk out your faith. Listen, people are going to hate you when you stand for righteousness. Now, it doesn't mean we walk around looking to be hating. That's not a badge we wear. Oh, look, I'm hated. But I would say if no one, if everybody likes you and everybody, you know, I would say, well, maybe you need to reevaluate uh, your your stance and your belief systems because the, if you're truly following Jesus, you will face some hostility in your life. And that's okay. Jesus yeah. said that would happen. So, so, so just keep, Keep walking in faithfulness. Keep uh, being obedient. Love people as Jesus loves them. Live with live in grace and truth, and uh, and be committed to being clear about what you believe and courageous in how you share it. Oh man, that was such a great wrap up. That was like was. a mini sermon, and very very good. One thing I want to pull from what you said, and then I promise we'll let it wrap up, is that uh, you know we can expect that there will be times that we won't be liked because. I think there's a large group of Christians who think that if someone finds fault with them, they're doing it wrong. And maybe they are, right? But but not necessarily. Like we can't expect to always be liked, to always be thought of favorably because that's just not the way it's set up. So I just think that's, I'm really glad you brought that up because so often Christians can be confused by that. Like, oh, we can't be not well-liked because then that means, you know, they don't like us, <laughs> but it's just, that's not the point. And to expect that is good. So thank you for bringing that up. Um, like I said, guys, I'm going to link to those sermons and I'm pretty sure your Instagram, you have a public profile, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so he's yes. great um, on Instagram. He's at Van Dopp, So you can follow him there. And then Main Street Church in Chilliwack, BC, Canada. Any, anywhere else that you'd point people to, to follow up with the work that you do? Yeah, I mean, there's our Facebook page too if you want to be on our Main Street Church Chilliwack Facebook. But yeah, great. Interact with more people if you're more than more than welcome to join us online. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending this time with us. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. It's been fun. Yeah, and if you want to find Rita and I outside the podcast, you can always find us on Instagram at Boom Clap Podcast or individually. I'm on Instagram at Cecily or my website thegracetogrow.com. And I'm at RitaRogersCo.com or RitaRogersCo on Instagram. Thanks for listening.